Hey, this is Royce Hall with the Wealth Science Podcast. I'm joined today by Stoney Gruno. Good to have you with uh, Breadwinner. Good to have you today. It's a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Breadwinner? We like to explore on the Wealth Science Podcast the things that are going on in the financial industry, and uh, you're, you're sort of related to that. So I'd love to hear what you all are doing at Breadwinner. Uh, awesome. Um, my personal experience comes from a frustration uh, when we were unable to connect Salesforce, a wonderful CRM, to the accounting system we were using at the time. And that was 13, 14 years ago. And out of that need, uh, we started Breadwinner, and that allows people to connect Salesforce, a uh, cloud-based customer relationship management tool, uh, to first zero accounting, and then to QuickBooks, and then to NetSuite, and then to Stripe Billing, and it's grown from there. So we kind of live in this space where people have their customers and potential customers on one silo, they have their financial data on another, and we help their business just run better, more effectively, more efficiently, less errors, less time wasted copying and pasting. Awesome. So one of the things that I like uh, to ask people about, you know, obviously there's a lot of benefit to automating those steps. You know, I'm in the Salesforce world, so, you know, it's like, oh man, can we automate as much as possible, simplify things? as much as possible and as a salesperson you know kind of streamlining the the sale to the invoice and all that there's a lot of value there but uh, we were kind of talking before this podcast about your personal passion around uh you know the growth of wealth and the wealth uh the the changes in wealth that you've seen even in your own company can you tell us about that a little bit sure um so I mentioned that we had this need 13, 14 years ago, and that was when I was uh, with a nonprofit, Third Sector IT in London. And that was an amazing experience. We were not directly helping people, but we were trying to facilitate the charities that were going out there and doing great work. And, you know, it's an amazing industry. There's a lot of pros and cons. Um, and I left it perhaps less interested in the nonprofit world and more interested in, in the for-profit world. And one of the things that's been amazing for me to watch is seeing some of the developers in India who we work with, seeing their financial growth in ways that I think is hard, at least, you know, as a Westerner living in America or England to initially conceive of. Um, so as a background, uh, we will, and I didn't even know these numbers when we initially hired um, some of these people because they come through contractors and the final numbers that are paid to the staff are not even clear to us. It was only get talking to the staff after we, we were working with them. Um, so as someone living in India, you might get an engineering or electronics degree and get picked up by a developer shop, as they're often called. And your job will be writing code often for um, offshore companies, you know, in America or Europe or any other country. And when they first get out of college, their salary is incredibly low. It'll be about $200 a month. Mm. Um, and that'll be what they'll be paid as presumably a decent college graduate with some hopeful, you know, skills that they learned in college. So for us, $200 a month certainly does not sound at all like a lot and they will usually be living in what they call a hostel we can think of this almost as a dorm room for professionals okay. that'll be 60 70 bucks a month and that'll often supply their food and then out of that there's a hundred plus dollars and some of which they might even send home um, i'm thinking of one developer in particular uh, he hasn't given me permission to kind of share any details so i'll, I'll, I'll keep him anonymous 
Um, but he sent me a video not long ago. There he was. He went back to his family and he was spraying the rice crop with pesticides. So that's mm. what he did on the weekends. Um, and I asked him more. I was like, well, what's it like for your, for your family? How much will they make? You know, and he said, it's really tough. He says, my, my father and mother are illiterate. They never had any formal schooling. And they'll be making about $2,000 a year. He, of course, gave me the rupees amount, but I looked it up on Google and it's about $2,000 a year will be their final salary or their final, I guess, profit, you know, from, mm -hmm. from farming. And that's an incredibly small number. And then their son at the age of 21, 22 is about making that same amount in a big city. Um, and it just went from there. And what we've seen is that within maybe three to five, sometimes a bit more, they'll be up to often 800, even a thousand dollars a month. And then we're, we're dealing with these 25 year old kids making five, sometimes if they're very good and they, they rise to the ranks quickly, five, if not 10 times amount as much money as their parents would. Hmm. Um, so all of a sudden they will be support. Another guy I know his, I believe his, um, his brother lost his wife. And then there was another issue with a death in the family and there was more complications. So an incredibly stand-up guy, he was supporting, I believe, three individual households in his family, wow. plus himself out of a salary. Um, and so what you start to look at is you start to look at this kind of economic empowerment and skills, you know, very far away from how many Louis Vuitton bags. I don't even know what you're supposed to buy with your money when you're wealthy, <laughs> but I believe I've heard someone mention Louis Vuitton bags. This is what has fascinated me so much about wealth is that, you know, for for someone in, you know, a rural community in India who can send their kid to a good school and they get a good job in a, a city. And actually now after post-COVID, a lot of them are back home again because work has gone remote and some of them have stayed. Mm. But you get the situation where they can genuinely support the education and medical and housing needs of multiple family members. And it's, it's been fascinating to watch them go through this transformation. And I can't even imagine what it's gonna be like for their generation. That's, that's pretty amazing. I, I think about uh, my, my own family history. My, my uh, grandfather was a farmer. Okay. And his dad was a farmer. My dad grew up on a farm, but you know, he, uh, he got a job at a local factory and that's kind of how he paid for my family and, and provided for us. My mom went back to school when I was really young and got a double major in biology and chemistry and got a, a, a pharmaceutical sales job. Okay. You know, I think about it like, okay, from, from like my great-grandfather to my parents' generation, you know, that was like, you know, two generations, right? Or from my grandfather to my generation is two generations. And, you know, in that time, you know, our family's trajectory really changed a lot, right? Yeah. You know, our economic power changed a lot. Uh, our status of living, you know, our, our quality of life, quality of, you know, insurance and, you know, just many different things. But to, com to compact that into, you know, one generation and not even like a full generation. It's like, okay, at 22 years old, you know, I'm doing just as well as my parents would have built and, and had a full career, that's, that's an amazing step. And I have to think that like that changes, that changes the direction of the family very rapidly. And uh, 
that, that's just fascinating, fascinating. And that's awesome that you get to be a part of that. Yeah, it, it, it has been amazing um, to watch it. Um, and one of the things I, I personally like is the, the change to empowerment, particularly among women. So we've had um, two of the female members on our team have had parents object to marriages because of, I believe it's pronounced case. I, I apologize, I should know more. But, but in India, I think you have five case. And the groom was not of the right, whatever mm. that is, uh, case. And the parents objected. And one of the situations, they objected so firmly that they took away her cell phone and told her she was not allowed to contact the person anymore. And I don't think there was ever any physical force, but I guess I would almost describe it as like emotional blackmail or emotional mm. kidnapping. And it was incredibly difficult for her. And she almost had to choose between her, her family and her husband, who I think she had even married in secret. And the oh, parents wow. were pushing her to a no. Um, and it was very, very complicated. We were trying to kind of bring her back into the fold um, to keep her employed. And this is one of the nice things is that her salary would have allowed her to live, you know, independently without any family pressure. Um, and eventually it worked out, but, but she was kind of gone and, and missing in action for seven months. Um, mm. and we ended up having another female developer have a similar problem. Uh, apparently she learned from the first story, so she had a second backup phone. So now we okay. kind of jokingly have a rule that if you are, you know, a developer and you start dating and, you know, for whatever reason, your parents might not approve, get the backup phone ahead of time <laughs> because this was used to call her fiance who kind of came and picked her up from, from her parents' house at 3 a.m. one night. Um, wow. and, and they were able to go off and get married and, and kind of secret. And then the parents didn't have too much of a choice but to accept. But, but it's fascinating the level of which, you know, that autonomy of women to choose their spouses regardless of you know outside social pressures i think comes in part from their salary mm -hmm. if they were not making any money and couldn't afford various things or couldn't afford an apartment but all of a sudden they are fully uh, or they have the potential to be fully functioning independent autonomous in their young 20s on a good salary and that to me was also one of the most amazing things is to watch these these women who you know in another generation might not have gotten to make that choice mm. so it's it's been strange or maybe not strange but it's i guess it's against the narrative that you know you're running a boring i don't want to call it boring but hey we sync invoices let's <laughs> let's not say we're we're the next facebook or whatsapp um but here we are running a tech company and the the output is individuals paying for the health care and education of their family members the output is women who are able to you know select their own spouse external of of this incredible family pressure um and that's really made me me happy um so i've i've kind of enjoyed seeing the impact of wealth on on human lives in a way that perhaps isn't as always visible um you know, here we are in beautiful King of Prussia next yeah. to an amazing mall. And I'm glad we all get to the mall. That's great. Uh, it's great to be able to buy what you need. But but when you start looking at that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, how wealth makes an impact on, on people at the at the lower levels, it's just amazing. Hmm. 
That that is amazing, and you know that's why I I like to ask about you know kind of your passions for the industry because as as you said, uh, okay, you're doing fairly mundane uh, task, right? And in the Salesforce you know world that you know that I work in is like okay, can we you know put a new field on an object? Like okay, is that you know maybe some of the people I work with are like get up in every morning to put fields on objects, but it's like, okay, that's fairly mundane stuff, but it's like, what significance does that have in the world? And, you know, being able to have financial freedom uh, brings about other sorts of freedom, yes. right? And, you know, it's, it's amazing just to think, okay, in say another 40 years, that coworker that you have, uh, she has a daughter and that daughter has a daughter. What is that person's life going to look like? You know, is the, is the case system that you're interacting with, like, is that even going to be recognizable at that point? Because she's not the only person going through that. Right. And the, the way that the family is structured and is led and the way that the society functions is changing because of financial freedom. That Which is, is amazing. <laughs> that's absolutely what we've seen. And we've had a few developers that came from wealthier families, or I guess I, what's the best way to look at it is families who, who entered that wealth spectrum one or two generations earlier, whether by, by luck or hard work or who knows what, but they came in with college educated parents. And mm. it was clear that the family pressures at home or the family emphasis was changing. And I think we all love aspects of tradition you know and i think we all certainly love you know getting away from the noise and the the hustle and bustle of the city but what i've seen in india is that the hustle and bustle of the city with that comes the wealth and 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 the sophistication maybe sophistication is not the right word but but that that freedom to 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 live your life uh in such a way that, that you're you're autonomous mm. and i have such respect for that yeah so yeah, so I guess her those generations, her kids will have already had, you know, and I, I you have you have two kids and and one's a boy and one's a girl. So I remember stories from when I was a kid, and if you there was like two or three girls in the family, the youngest uh, girl would would usually have a much more relaxed approach to what she when she was allowed to wear makeup, for instance, and the older yeah, kid sure. would be, darn you, I had to <laughs> I had to fight with my parents to get this at fourteen, and they're just eleven, they're like ah oh, whatever. Um, and, you know, I think about that for us, it was, it was, we were just, you know, silly kids and teenagers, you know, wanting to do things as soon as we could. But when you, when you look at it on, on the level of, of that choice and that independence, it's amazing that, you know, the mom will have, have made that incredible struggle. And I don't think her daughter will have to. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Stoney, thanks for joining me on the Well Science Podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for sharing about Breadwinner. And the, the future that you're seeing uh, kind of unfolding even in your own company. It is fascinating and it was a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.